0: Greetings friends and people of God and welcome for today's call to worship. I'm gonna read from Psalm 40, verses three, four and five. This is the word of the Lord. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray, after a lie you have multiplied oh Lord my God your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us none can compare with you I will proclaim and I will tell of them yet they are more than can be told today we are gonna proclaim the wondrous deeds of God even though they are more than can be told today we are gonna tell of the thoughts that he has toward all of us even though they are more than can be told this is the mystery of God. This is the vastness of our God that we are welcomed into, that we are invited into. There is endless revelation. There is endless understanding. So we come, we show up, and there's more. And we show up again, and there's more. So today, friends, let's rise up. Let's declare. Let's proclaim the wondrous deeds of our God as we sing today. Oh Lord, be open say you're welcome here, you are welcome here, We open up our hearts, our ears, make us aware of your presence today, you, God, as we worship you. And let our praise be your welcome,
1: let our songs be a sign, we are here for you. Yes, we are.
0: Say, wake up. Dry bones come to life and sing the praises of God. Sing, My hope is built. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, just Jesus. But only trust in Jesus. Sing that again. Mm-hmm. My hope is built on nothing less Than Jesus' blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest friend But only trust in Jesus Say Christ alone, Christ alone cornerstone, stone, and we can make strong in the sea. You. <laughs> stand before There is a day that has come and is coming where the worshipers are worshiping in spirit and in truth. Oh God, we engage with you. We enter in in spirit and in truth, O oh Lord. We rise up as men and women of God, singing the praises of God in the presence of God. Oh Lord, let it rise up all over the world.
1: i she- darkness true.
2: darkness trembles. Jesus in your name is salvation for all who call on you. Friends, we believe that Jesus is the king and that his kingdom is arriving on earth as it is in heaven. And you know what that looks like? That looks like the followers of Jesus, the church, beginning to live now as it will be then, beginning to bear witness to the reign of King Jesus, And I wanna tell you a few stories of how that's taking place right here in our own city. Earlier this week, a small team from New Life Church went up to Sterling Prison. It's a facility that's about three hours north of here, and we received a call from the director of the Department of Corrections asking for some help. They've been hit pretty hard by the COVID-19 outbreak there in the prison. And they asked for some help for their guards, and so a team went up this week and delivered 1,000 masks that many of you sowed and prepared and made ready for them. And they took with them 60 bags of groceries for the prison guards, for their families, supplies for them. The warden said he'd been there 15 years. He said, in 15 years, no one has ever reached out to us. No one's ever checked in on us. A highlight of the day came toward the end when some of our pastors, Pastor Rian, Pastor Melton, Pastor Johan from our outreach team, and they were joined with a pastor from another church in town, Woodman Valley. And they prayed with the warden. And they were all distanced and wearing their masks and all that. And they prayed for him. And when they were finished, the warden had tears in his eyes. And he said, I have never felt such gratitude for what you've done here today. The food bank, many of you have contributed to the food banks throughout the week. To date, you have donated and we have delivered five tons of food. That's incredible. And that's gone to several different agencies in the city, but it also has gone to a couple of our congregations to serve right there in their neighborhoods. Nueva Vida, our Spanish-speaking congregation, told me this week, they said that in the month of March, they do their food pantry twice a month. They said in the month of March, 150 families received groceries. But in the month of April, they said, we got to do this more than twice a month. We got to let families come in when they have crises in their lives. And they said in April... They gave out 450, and they served 450 families with groceries. That's over, that's about 600 families in the last two months, maybe 1,800 people that have been served. Manitou Springs, they, they run a weekly a food pantry that they help deliver stuff to. About 45 bags of groceries are given. Uh, uh, Forty-five families are served each week. And Pastor Joe Kirkendall was telling me a couple stories this week. He said one of their congregants, a lady named Rebecca, she's a nurse. And she said as she, they were watching people waiting in line to receive these groceries, there was a, a homeless man in a wheelchair with an injured foot. And he needed care for this foot, but he didn't want to go into the hospital. He was a bit nervous about the virus. And so Rebecca bent down and washed his foot and re-bandaged it for him. Joe said it was like a scene out of the Gospels. There was a young couple who had just discovered that they were pregnant, and every week they have been coming to receive groceries. And Pastor Joe said something in his heart just led him to say to them, you're going to be great parents. They just found out they were pregnant. He said, you're going to be great parents. He kept just blessing them each week. Come to find out, they are now living clean from the drug addiction that they had been under. They've been sober for almost two months now, and they just asked Joe if he would officiate their wedding. Friends, this is what it looks like for the church to be the church. Thousands of dollars have been given to our partners all around the world. Recently, I heard that one of our partners in India... Where children had not eaten in days were able to eat for the first time this week because of your generous giving. This is why the darkness trembles. The darkness trembles when the church begins to live out the kingdom of God. When the church begins to bear witness to the reign of God. This is what it looks like for the darkness to tremble. It's when the hungry are fed and the poor are cared for in the name of King Jesus. So friends, as you give today, I want to encourage you to keep being faithful, keep being generous as you give. There's three ways to give at New Life Church. You can give online, you can set it up as a recurring gift. You can text to give, or you can do it the old-fashioned way and mail in your check to the address on your screen. We're so grateful for you, church. Let's continue to bear witness to the glory and the mercy of King Jesus. Let's worship as we give.
1: darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus we speak
0: Jesus We say the name of Jesus Oh, Oh, friends, if you don't know what else to say just say the name Jesus even now, right here in your homes just say Jesus you shout it, you whisper it say Jesus it's the great name the name above all names our King, our Lord. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we say amen and amen. Friends, let's prepare our hearts for the word of God, the opening of the scriptures. You know the drill by now. Grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks, lean in, press in, grace and peace. From all of us at New Life Church, we want to say happy Mother's Day. (coughs) Thank you for your patience and constant sacrifices. For teaching us what hard work really looks like. Thank you for your nurturing spirit and for being a constant presence in the midst of chaos. To all those who are, who are trying, and who have and lost, happy Mother's Day.
3: Well, New Life East, good morning to you. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. It's good to worship together with you this morning. I want to say a happy Mother's Day To you, If you're sitting with your mom this morning, give her a hug or a little peck on the cheek. If you don't know that it's Mother's Day and you haven't done anything about it for your mom, this would be a good opportunity for you to send her a little text message or even just pause the broadcast or something and go give her a phone call. But it is Mother's Day today. It's such a special day. I love this moment in our calendar. and I'm going to spend some time today talking about how Mother's Day relates to the gospel. I want to situate the notion of motherhood inside of the gospel story. Before I do that, I have to just give a shout out to two of the best moms that I know. First of all, my wife, Mandy, of 20 years. We have four kids, Ethan, Gabe, Bella, and Liam. And honey, this morning, I am saying to you that our children do not know how good they have it. Thank you for all that you do in making our home a happy and harmonious place. I also have to say a shout out to my mom who lives up in central Wisconsin. My mom, I'm telling you, we did not know how good we had it. And so mom, we love you and a happy Mother's Day to you as well. So it's Mother's Day today and I want to talk about how this relates to the gospel story, to who God is and to what God calls us to be. And I just want to start by saying there's an old Spanish proverb that says in an ounce of mother is worth a ton of priest, And I love that because good moms, they just count for so much. And a good mom really is something that comes to us from the Lord. Motherhood, I think, is a really important image of God. Now, when you think about the scriptural record and the scriptural story, certainly the notion of fatherhood plays a dominant role in our idea of God, our notion of God. So you think about Jesus and the prayer that he taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus, the most common, for Jesus, the most common reference for God, the way that he talked about God was predominantly Father. He's giving us some uh, implication, some indication of what his relationship with God is like and inviting us into that. So Jesus anchors us there. Then of course you think about the creed that has defined Christians now for about 2,000 years, uh, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, the maker of Earth, heaven and earth of all that is seen and unseen. So fatherhood plays kind of a dominant role in terms of our image of God. And yet when you look at the scriptures, you cannot avoid coming to the conclusion that motherhood comes from God and is just thereby, it's also a sort of indication Of something that's deep in the heart of God. Listen to Psalm 131. The psalmist says, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or with things too wonderful for me. He says, But I have calmed and quieted myself. Look at this. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. The psalmist compares himself to a child who's been weaned, no longer sort of uh, clamoring for mom's attention, but is resting in mom's arms. It's an important image of God. Or you think about Jesus, this is towards the end of his ministry. He's been preaching and prophesying and inviting Jerusalem to trust in him now for three years. And he comes to the end of his ministry, Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. And he says, Jerusalem... Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So here is Jesus saying, I've longed to gather you together as what? A hen, a mother hen, gathers her chicks under her wings. Here's the prophet Isaiah just to... Bring about one more example. Zion has said, verse 14 of chapter 49, the book of Isaiah. Zion has said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. But the prophet Isaiah says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she might forget, as unthinkable as that might seem. Though she might forget, I, he says, the Lord says, will never forget you. See, he says, I have graved your name on the palms of my hands and your walls are ever before me. Your children hasten back. Those who laid you waste depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All your children gather and come to you. And as surely as I live, declares the Lord, you will wear them all as ornaments. You will put them on like a bride. The Lord is saying that he will be a mother to Israel in a way that's even better than the mothers of Israel are mothers to their children. And in fact, it's God's almost maternal presence that will bring about the restoration of Jerusalem. God God is the source from whom motherhood flows. You think about even the book of Proverbs, the great figure of wisdom, the very wisdom of God by which Israel is instructed in the Old Testament is personified as a mom. As a female, there's something, I want to just say, there's something maternal in the heart of God. And this morning, I want to say to you moms, that in your care and in your strength, in your wisdom, and in your tender tenacity, you are showing us something of what God is like, and you are also modeling for us just how to trust in him. A good mom counts for. A lot. Your kids are watching you. Your husband's watching you. The people who are around you are watching you. They're watching how you live before the Lord. A good mom counts for a lot, and I should know because I have a good mom. My parents were sort of marginal believers, both of them, as they were growing up and went through their teenage years, but in their 20s, they really just kind of got thwacked by the Holy Spirit. During the charismatic renewal of the 60s and the 70s, my parents both individually really had an awakening to the reality of God and Christ and My mom in particular really gave herself over to the Lord in prayer and in devotion and in study. My mom is the daughter of a farmer and so she always has been and probably always will be the earliest riser. I know some of my earliest memories of my mom are me kind of stumbling down the stairs early in the morning and my mom would be sitting there at the kitchen table with the scriptures open and she's pouring over the scriptures and she's praying and she's lifting us up before the light of the Lord she's also putting her heart inside the presence of God and being formed by the presence of God. And every day for years now, my mom, 4.30 in the morning, she would be up and she would deliver herself over to the Lord. And I watched as I got older, one of the things I always noticed about my mom was that not only was she always sort of vibrant and alive and vital, but she also, and she was very productive, she always was getting things done, an industrious woman, but she always made time for people that there was something about her presence that opened up space for people to come and taste and see that the Lord was good. She took time, a word of wisdom, as Proverbs says, faithful instruction was always on her tongue. And not only that, but one of the things I always loved about my mom and love to this day is that my mom knew how to step into pressured situations and diffuse them. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons and the daughters of the living God. And my mom embodied that so well. And there was something about that that just captured me as a young man. And, and it wasn't so much any of the things that my mom taught, although she taught lots of things. And it wasn't so much any of the things that my mom said, although she said many things. But it was the way that my mom lived before the Lord. It gave me that kind of intuitive connection that what you do is you give yourself over to a life of prayer. What you do is you stand in the presence of God. What you do is you yield your heart daily to the Lord and then what comes out of that is grace and strength and holiness. Maybe the first text of scripture I ever learned came from my mom, Psalm 16, 8. The psalmist said, I have set the Lord continually before me. And because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And the psalmist goes on to say, therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body will also live in hope for you, he says, will not abandon me to the grave and nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. My mom lived that every day of her life and still does. And it set a model, it set up an example For me and for my siblings and for all who knew her to follow, it was my mom's dedication to the life of holiness that made all the difference in the world. And I'm saying all of that to you this day, moms, to be a great encouragement to you because the pressure is huge on moms right now. The pressure is huge on moms. And I think that there are two principal pressures that come bearing down on moms these days. One, I would say, is the pressure to be mom plus mom plus in other words yes you need to be mom and we need you to take care of all the things around the house and make sure that everybody's fed and clothed and that all the school schedules are up to date and that the all that just so please take care of all that plus we need you to run a successful business on the side plus you need to have all these other things going on plus you need to have some side hustle plus you need to have this career plus Plus, plus, and so you have to be mom in addition to all of these other things and the pressure that can fall upon you when you start feeling that, it can be really crushing and overwhelming. And you're just trying to survive the day with your jelly-faced toddlers and then you hear the voice of the accuser and your ear telling you that that isn't good enough. And I'm saying to you, that pressure, mom, that, that will cripple you if you will let that get inside of you. It's the pressure to be mom plus. Now, of course, If you feel called to those things and you have support for that and there's gifts for that and you can do that and the Lord's opening doors, go. And if it's a joy to you, please and by all means, mom, go ahead and do that. But you don't have to. The pressure to be mom plus is such a huge thing. And also pressure number two, I think, is the pressure to be super mom. The pressure to be super mom. So it's not just good enough that you got through your day But you also have to make sure that your kids are straight A students and that they're involved in all of this other stuff and that you've always got your home together and you always have your makeup on and you always look nice and you never look frazzled or frayed or harried at the edges. No, moms, moms. Let me just unburden you here for just a moment. Let me unburden you here. And I'm saying this to you because I grew up in a home with a godly Mom, and I live with a really godly mom right now. And this is what I want to say to you. That your family, what your family needs the most from you. What it needs the most. It doesn't need you to be mom plus and it doesn't need you to be super mom. What it needs the most from you is for you to be a daughter of the living God. Okay? A daughter of the living God. And just to that extent, a holy presence at the heart or even better in the hearth of your family's life. That as you dedicate yourself to being a daughter of the living God, living in His love, living in His grace, living in His affirmation, living in His favor, drinking in His presence, walking in the Spirit, walking full of the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, carried along by the Spirit, walking in love with Jesus more than you even love your own family, I'm telling you, you will bear fruit for your family's life. What your family needs the most from you is for you to be the daughter of the living God, a holy presence at the very heart of your family's life. And I promise you, we'll take care of all the other stuff, okay? We're gonna help with the laundry and we're gonna help with the cleaning and we're gonna help with the meals. And if any of you out there are married to men who won't do that, let me know. I'll get on the phone with them. We're gonna help you with all of the other stuff. But what we need from you is that you'd live up to and into your identity as a daughter of the living God. I'm telling you that'll make all the difference in the world. We need you to be that holy presence at the heart of your family's life. A good mom makes a huge amount of difference in her family's home. But I also want to say something else to you. And with this, we'll start to pivot into communion. And you might, if you haven't yet, get some elements ready, a little bread and a little juice, and we'll take communion together. But one of the things that the Scripture is also very aware of is that there is so much ache associated with motherhood. There's so much ache associated with motherhood. The prophet Jeremiah was prophesying to a group of people who had lost everything. Their national life had been reduced to rubble by the exile. The Babylonian army had come in and they'd taken away so much of what was once held dear to the people of God. And he says this, Jeremiah 31 and verse 15, that this is what the Lord says, a voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. See, so many of the children in Jerusalem and the surrounding area had been taken away by the Babylonian armies, families had been broken. And so Jeremiah looks into the heart of the national life of Israel and he says, There are tears flowing, moms are crying. Because their kids have been taken away. Moms are crying because hopes are dashed. Moms are crying because dreams that they had for their family have been shattered. Rachel is weeping. Mama Rachel is weeping for her children. And she won't even be comforted because they are are no more. She won't be comforted until she sees some sign of hope. Moms, I'm saying to you that God knows the ache very well. God knows the tears of motherhood well. God knows the heartache of motherhood well. He knows it. He knows your groans in the night. He knows your agony. He knows your desolation. God knows the ache of motherhood. I remember talking to, and there's so many species of ache of motherhood. I remember talking to a lady one time, asking her a little bit about her family. She was in her 50s or so. And I asked her about her family and she had two daughters. And I said, oh, tell me about your daughters. She told me about the younger one first and then she told me about the older one. She said the older one, when the older one was 17 or 18 years old, she was in late high school about to graduate. She ran off. She fell in love with a boy that she should not have fallen in love with. And she ran off with that boy and we didn't hear from her for years. She said it was such ache and it was such agony. We laid awake at night praying for her and we interceded for her and we did everything that we could do to try to track her down. We had no idea where she was. We'd lay our hearts and our lives before the Lord and say, Lord, if you could do anything, just please bring our daughter home. She said seven or eight years passed. We didn't hear hear anything from her. And all of a sudden we got a call. And at the other end of the line was our daughter saying, Mom, it's me. I'm pregnant. I'm about to have a baby. I'd like to come home. I want for you to to meet your grandson. She said in that moment, that moment was a moment of redemption like I cannot describe to you. She said she came home and we got reunited with our daughter and we got to meet our grandson and our family. It just felt like a redemption story. God is putting the pieces of our lives back together and then our daughter got pregnant again and so we're going to have another grandbaby in the family and God is making all of our dreams come true. She said and then something happened. She just went sideways mentally. Daughter left and we haven't heard from her since. Now it's been about two years See, sisters, God knows the ache. God knows the ache. And I could only sit there that day with her and just listen to that story and hold that story and plead the blood of Jesus over it and ask that God's redemption would come into it. God knows the ache. If I can know the ache, then God knows the ache. And he knows the ache well, even in our own family. We have four beautiful children, Ethan, Gay, Bella, and Liam. Shortly after we moved to Denver years ago, we had three kids at the time. We got unexpectedly pregnant it was such an uh, out of left field kind of thing, but we adjusted to it and we were so happy to think about our family rounding into shape with a fourth baby. And at about 12 weeks, Mandy went in for an appointment and they did the sonogram and no heartbeat, no heartbeat. It was so devastating and heartbreaking as a father. I was so looking forward to our family being rounded out in that way. But for Mandy, it just felt like a death had come to her. At this womb of hers that had been a place of life and a place of flourishing. We had three flawless pregnancies. All of a sudden something went sideways with it. And it was such an ordeal for us. And now there are a handful. It's been about 10 years since that moment. And we are so glad for what God has done. And we wouldn't trade our little Liam for anything in the world. And we've seen God work miracles and he's brought so much flourishing to us. But there are a handful of times every year, 10 years later now, When Mandy will come into my office or she'll wake me up early in the morning and she'll say this was going to be the baby's due date today. This would have been his birthday. This was the day that we found out that we were pregnant. This was the day that we realized we were going to lose the baby 10 years. And there's still ache. The Bible knows about our ache. It knows about our tears. And what I love about the scriptures, brothers and sisters, is that the scriptures never provide us with easy answers Or with empty promises. What the scriptures do is the scriptures take our whole ache and our whole desolation, all the desolation of motherhood, and there are so many. There are barren wombs, and there are women that are separated from their children, and there are those that want to be moms that cannot. On the other side of it, there are those that want a relationship with mom but can't because mom passed away or the relationship is fragmented in some way. There is ache around it, and the Bible doesn't give us easy answers for the ache. What it does is it throws it into God's salvation and the promise of new creation. Look at Isaiah 49 that we read from earlier. Verse 19, the Lord who promises to be a mothering presence to Israel says that though you were ruined and made desolate and your land laid waste, now you will be too small for your people and those who devoured you will be far away. The children born during your bereavement will yet say in your hearing, this place is too small for us. Give us more space to live in. And then you will say in your heart, Who bore me these children? I was bereaved and barren. I was exiled and rejected. Who brought these up? I was left all alone, but these, where have they come from? And this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, he says, I will beckon to the nations and I will lift up my banners to the people and they will bring your sons in their arms and they will carry your daughters on their hips and kings will be your foster fathers and queens your nursing mothers and they will bow down before you with their faces to the ground. They will lick the dust at your feet and then you will know that I am the Lord and those who hope in me will not be disappointed I'm saying to you, sisters, that there is a new creation coming. I'm saying to you, all of those that carry ache around motherhood, there is a kingdom coming. There is resurrection afoot. And the salvation, the redemption, the new creation, the kingdom that God brings is the answer to all of our ache. And it might be in this life and it might be the next, but sister, I'm telling you, it is coming. It is coming right soon. The Creed says that we are looking for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. All of our grief will be swallowed up in a new creation. There is no easy answer to any of this. There's no easy answer to any human ache. There is, brothers and sisters, only the hope and the promise that it has been and will be gathered up into and answered by God's salvation. And I'm here to say to you today that Jesus is God's salvation. For Jesus is the broken one in whom all of our ache and all of our brokenness all of our agony finds its hope it's located inside of him the prophet Isaiah said by his wounds we are healed and so with the bread and the cup in your hand now I want to invite you to begin to lift up your heart to the Lord those of you that are holding ache around motherhood barren wombs children that are sick in the hospital children you're estranged from, moms that you just wish that you could see again, whatever your ache is around motherhood, I'm asking now that you'd begin to throw it into the body of the Lord, throw it into God's salvation, locate that in God's salvation. And so we say to you, Lord Jesus, here we are before you. We need you. You are our hope. You are our salvation. You are the strength of our life. I'm praying over barren wombs and I'm saying be open today. I'm praying over those women that are estranged from their children. I'm saying, bring reconciliation today. I'm praying over all of those who would like to be moms but cannot be. I'm saying, Lord, come quickly, come swiftly with your kingdom. I'm praying for all of those who have fraught relationships with, your, with their moms. I'm saying, Lord, Jesus, come and come swiftly. We need you. And we remember that on the night that you were betrayed, after you had given thanks, you took the bread and you broke it and you gave it to your disciples and you said, take this and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, drink from this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the remission of sins. Do it whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. now let's give God thanks for what he's done. We say thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that by your wounds we are healed. Thank you that you are gathering us up like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you are shielding us with your salvation, covering us with your deliverance. We thank you and we trust you. And now New Life East, I say to you, as you depart into your week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, grace, mercy, and peace be with you. You are loved. We'll see you next week.